He isn't uh, surprised. He isn't shocked. And, uh, you know, your pastor has, has guided us correctly in, in being careful and all the rest of it. But uh, I know that at the college, we covet your prayers because we too are faced with a, a, quite a situation in the sense that we have all these students and then we have all these students plus parents and grandparents and aunties and uncles. And uh, so we get a lot of phone calls, and uh, we're trying to make the right decisions, and I believe the Lord is helping us to make the right decisions, and so we are very thankful for that. Uh, as you uh, probably are aware, I serve as the uh, vice president, at, or at least one of the vice presidents at the, at the college since May of 19, uh, 2019, so it's brand new, and uh, Vanguard College is currently we're having the largest enrollment in our history. Isn't that great? the largest enrollment in our history. Because sometimes you hear the word out there that the younger generation is losing it and they're just a bunch of lazy and this and that. That is not true. There are a lot of young people, young adults, men and women who are just focused on God and going for God and are really serious about their call. How many in here are, are alumni of, of Vanguard or Northwest Bible College? How many of you? Oh, quite a few. Quite a few. Good. Good. That's good to see. It actually costs, as you may or may not know, if you get one of these brochures, it actually costs about $15,500 per year for tuition for a student at the college. They pay about $8,500 in tuition, which remains, as you can see, about $7,000 per student that we need to raise in regards to donors and in regards to churches like your own who will support us and, and do what you can do. And so uh, I'm not going to belabor that point except for you to, uh, just to say that. I find that many times when we share that at various congregations, they are quite surprised to hear that. And they're also very surprised to hear this, that out of our 1,100 churches across the country, about 1,100, 1,150 churches approximately, we currently have approximately 150 churches still without any pastor at all. And so there is a real need. There really is a need. And not all of our graduates will go into pastoral ministry, but they are coming to prepare themselves, some of them for the mission field, some for other aspects of, of life and uh, where they're going to serve the Lord but will not be pastoring per se, but that's fine, whatever God leads them in. And so one of the things that we are really encouraging our students to consider, and you young people that are here today especially, uh, we, we really push this whole idea of what is God saying? What is the Lord saying to you? You may have an idea of this or that. You're going to just carry on the family business or you're going to do this or that, and, and that may be God's plan for you, but what is God saying to you? And I don't know about your experience, but my experience is what, when I was just a little guy, I found a place at an altar such as this, and God spoke into my life something that, that I didn't plan on. And therefore, as of June of this year, we'll have been pastoring 40 years. I know it's hard to believe. 40 years. It's just crazy. But that's how faithful God is when you put one foot in front of the other. And so we have a great opportunity as a school, and on this next frame... You will see a picture um, of old Northwest Bible College. That's where I graduated from in 1980. Look at that, eh? It's still, that's a, that's a recent picture. I'm not kidding. That's a recent picture. It, it's, it's, it's dilapidated. It's empty. It's yesterday's news. It's, it's, it was a great memory for us, but it is yesterday's news. It's an old abandoned building in Edmonton. And then the next frame... We'll show you the college that we're in now. Quite a change, wouldn't you say? 
And I want to tell you that when you give to Vanguard College, we have no debt on this building. Isn't that great? We have no debt whatsoever on that building. And so the Lord has been so good to us, and we use, believe me, every square inch of that building, and we need more space, and we have all kinds of expanding plans and stuff like that, but it costs, yes, it costs money. It always costs money. But uh, we're just so thankful for what the Lord has done. So as you entrust your, your funds, and maybe here today, there will be somebody who says, you know what? I'm not going to divert my tithes and offerings from my local church, and we don't want you to. But there may be somebody who says, you know, I want to be a part of what God is doing at Vanguard. Maybe you want to become one of our donors. And if that's you, I want you to talk to me afterwards or pick up my card and you can send me an email. I can give you more information about that. But again, we don't want you ever to divert what belongs here uh, toward the college. And I know that uh, the, 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 the church leadership here is committed to, tr- to uh, in, uh, strengthening our hands at the college as well as the Lord opens that door. And so we do not uh, take it things lightly. We are frugal with our funds uh, operationally. We are not reckless, but uh, in the same breath, our needs are great. And uh, we could not possibly do what we're doing without the help of the Lord through people like yourself. And next picture shows a, uh, one of the classrooms and Mark McKnight, you can see him there uh, teaching at one of the classrooms there in the college and then uh, the next frame uh, speaks for itself. I, I think that today there is a good chance that God wants to say something to you, and it's going to be something that's a little bit different than you anticipated. How many believe that God can actually speak to us through a guest speaker? Amen? I hope you believe that. I assure you that Pastor Duane did not ask me to be here today just to fill a spot on the schedule. There was more to it than that. And uh, I'm believing that God wants to speak to us, and he wants to do something special. And this may be a pivoting point in your life of what God wants to do in your life. I truly believe that. The message that I pulled together today is not one that I have shared before, but there's pieces that I'm telling you about in my testimony of what God did for us and with us in the past. This next frame talks about the actual uh, title of what I want to talk to you about, Never Want to Change. Never Want to Change. And the scripture is Isaiah chapter 43, beginning in verse 18 and verse 19. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, but you do not perceive it. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And then the Bible goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So yes, we know that God never changes. God does not change. The same God that was faithful to you when you went through that crisis in your life is the same God that you are looking to today. There is no difference. But when it comes to you and I, God wants us to change. And in fact, we need to change. Matthew chapter 18, verses 2 to 4, very clearly says, And he called a little child to him, and he placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change, there you see it, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Therefore, whoever takes this lowly position of this child in, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so we know, according to the, to the scriptures, if we look back further, we know for sure who Jesus is actually talking to. Jesus is actually talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. That's who he's talking to. He's talking to the religious people. He's telling them, unless you are willing to change, you will not see and you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so be very intentional today with me as you understand who the Bible is talking about, who Jesus was actually addressing this to. And now you and I have something to gain from this, of course. Because you and I are here today and God in his wisdom had this available to us so we could read it today in St. Paul here in 2020. Can you believe it? I mean, God knew that we would need to hear this. And so God is able, God is faithful. Bear with me now. I'm going to talk to you about some things that are probably going to push against things a little bit. How many of you understand that when you come to a church service such as this, if you agree with everything that is preached, everything that is shared, you've got to wonder after week after, if that was the case week after week, you've got to wonder, are you, really, are you really getting a hold of what God is saying? Because I find that the Bible talks about the ministry that we're supposed to be involved with as preachers and teachers is to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Now, as a guest, it is pretty easy for me to grab hold of the first two or the third, but the truth is, I want you to know that I approach this with great, um, with great humility and great uh, caution because I know that you people are precious to him, and he cares about you, but he also cares about all the people on the outside. He cares about all those people. How many of you remember that when you were on the outside? Do you, do you remember when you were, did anybody remember? I hope you do. I, I remember when I was on the outside. I'm so glad that people spoke to me. I'm so glad that people talked to me. This morning I was talking with, uh, before breakfast, I was talking with the guy down in the hotel room and just in the lobby there and just talking to him. And we were agreeing the world's gone crazy and we were just chatting about it. And I don't know, it's a great opportunity to share your faith. And so I was telling him about putting his faith in Jesus Christ and putting his trust in God because that's the only way we're going to get through any of these challenges in life is, is we're going to have peace with, with Jesus Christ. And he received my testimony quite nicely. And then another guy, yesterday when we checked in, a, nif a different guy, his name was Jason. And uh, Jason was, uh, I was inviting him to the service. And I was asking him, you know, do you know where the church, a Pentecostal church is? And uh, he didn't know where the Pentecostal church was. He's, he's new to town. And so um, I, I didn't know either. So I couldn't even tell him where it was. But I, I told him, I said, yeah, I'm going to be the guest speaker there tomorrow morning. Why don't you come on out? And I and invited him to come and be here. And I just kind of, I, I not only do that because it was an opportunity, but I also wanted to show you that this is just not a, a, a speaking engagement for me. This is I want to be part, a little wee part of what God is doing even in, in Jason's life. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's beyond that. And so I realize when I drop into the 7-Eleven or whatever to get gasoline or whatever that I'm representing Christ. And even though I'm not part of this community and, 
And, and you get the message. And, and we need to realize that God loves people. He wants them to come to repentance. And, and he really does care. And you and I have an answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ. And can I get a witness in the house? Jesus is the answer. He really, truly is the answer. And uh, having raised six children, I'm not like this dear brother with eight Eight kids, amen? We had six. We have 15 grandkids. 15, it's a start. It's a start. One of our daughters is already with Jesus. So we know what it's like to go through difficult times. We know what it's like to say goodbye to somebody you love. And so when I say Jesus will see you through, I'm not just talking, I'm not just a talking head. We actually know what it's like to hurt we know what it's like to suffer. But God is still with us, and he, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And if you're going through something tough, aside from what's happening in the community, if you're going through something personally tough, be reminded that God loves you. He cares about you, and he's not going to leave you. He will see you through. Praise his holy name. In Matthew chapter 21, we read some very powerful and important words. The Bible says, what do you think? There was a man. This is Jesus talking. He says, what do you think? Again, talking to the scribes and Pharisees in particular, he said there was a man who had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not. Wow, defiant. He must have been a teenager, amen? He says, I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the son, to the other son rather, and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what the father wanted? The answer is obvious. But they said, the first, they answered. And Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe in him. Referring now to John, who came with that message of repentance. And so that's Jesus, how Jesus talks about things. And that's how Jesus uh, clearly speaks into the process. He's talking to these Pharisees and these scribes, these religious people. And to be blunt about it, and to be honest about it, in the last number of months, uh, since actually since September, uh, yes, since September, we counted up that we have been in over 20 of our churches here in Alberta preaching and teaching as the Lord has given us opportunity. Before that, for the last six and a half years, about six years, we did interim work. We did, uh, we did uh, an interim pastorate in many churches in Calgary, six of them to be exact, in the Calgary zone. And so we know a little bit about what is happening in the churches of God. And something that I have noticed, I have noticed that if we're not careful, we can become like the scribes and the Pharisees. We can actually become just like them. We can become what we despise. 
Now, I was pastoring a great church in Woodstock, Ontario. We went there from the district office here in Alberta, and we went directly there with our six kids, and uh, we plugged into that church, and I don't know what the number was at that point, maybe 150, I don't know what the exact number was, but I'll talk about more of that in, in a minute. But I know that part of what God was trying to say to us, he was trying to snap us out of being so religious, because we had wonderful people, don't get me wrong, wonderful people. We would gather together. We had awesome prayer times. We had awesome uh, party times. We had awesome potlucks and banquets and all those wonderful things. But everything was about us, about us, about us, about us. And, And it was clear very quickly that we needed to break out of that. But the more I preached about it, the more it just seemed to fall on deaf ears. And then one day, the, the Lord gave me a message that I feel was so much from him, a couple messages, and I want to refer to those messages to you, with you here today. And I had this little jingle up on the, on the screen. I don't know if you can, if you can go with this. It's, it, was, it was, never want to change, never want to change, never want to change, no, never. I mean, that's what, that's what happened. We just didn't want to change. Can you say it with me? Never want to change. Come on, let's do it. Never want to change. Never want to change. Never want to change. No, never. And that was the attitude that we had adopted as a church. We were kind of like, we're just waiting for Jesus. And he's going to be here any minute. And, and we're just having a great time. Isn't God good? And yes, he is good, but we had forgotten some very important things. And so I brought a big, huge rock into the auditorium. I don't have a rock here today. I wish I did, but I have a picture. And and there was a beautiful big rock. And uh, I talked about how that back in the day when you started washing your laundry. Now, for, for most of you, you still do that, right? You wash your laundry. And so, so the, the rock was there, and it was by the river. Now, none of you can remember this, I don't think. And none of you can remember this. In some parts of the world, they still do it this way. It, it's, it's going on this way to this day. And you find a beautiful rock like this lady did. She found a beautiful rock by the river. And there's the river and the streams right there. I mean, it's, at, it's almost at waist height. It's, it's the perfect rock. It's the perfect stone. And it's just so fantastic that, I mean, who would want to leave this? And, you know, beautiful sunny day. Of course, and some days it's rainy and sometimes it's wintry and sometimes it's freezing. And I mean, we're not showing you that, but I mean, it was a really, it wasn't all positive. But this lady, she had the perfect rock. She had the perfect place to wash the clothes. And then one day, her husband came home from work, and he had got a raise, and he was able to offer her, her something brand new, and the next picture shows you. And it was this a wash bucket, and one of those things. Now, some of you can remember this, amen? Some of you, yes, yeah, some of your hands are going up. Some of you still use it, amen? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what you do, right? And so, so, I mean, and so she had to make a decision, she had to make a decision, and so she, she was thinking, I, I don't want to change. I don't want to give up this rock, because this rock is the best rock in the river. I don't want to give up this rock. But she had to consider it now. Her husband brought this home. Now she could do the wash inside her house. She could be in there at the, the shelter uh, with a roof over her head all year round when the bad weather came. It was a, definitely a step up. And, uh, it, but she, she just, that, that rock at the river, she was so happy with it. And they kind of had a, had a wonderful relationship. And, and everybody in the community knew that that was her rock. That was her spot to clean clothes. 
but she had to make a decision, and she made up very reluctantly. She didn't want to change. She never wanted to change. She never wanted to change. No, never. But she would. She, she finally said, "Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let it go." And she grabbed hold of this, and she was so happy the minute she grabbed hold of it because she realized it was such a step up from being out in the cold river and in the elements. And so she started washing the clothes with this brand new thing and this bucket. And it was, oh, she was just, I, I, I'll never let this go. I, this is so good. I mean, this is so sweet. You know what I'm saying? Well, a few years went by. And show me the next frame. And then, of course, she came to this other spot. And uh, there it is. Some of you remember this one for sure. Amen. Yeah, I'm getting a witness in the house. Look at that. And, and so the, I mean, this beautiful. And so this came along, and, and, and so she, her, her, her husband said, "Honey, look, I got this, and this is going to make your work easier. And uh, you know, this is you know, this is what needs to happen. And I just so want you to." And she goes, "Oh." I am not letting go of my bucket and scrub board because I have had this for years and it has been so good. And, but uh, boy, that looks, so, how does it work? And, uh, you know, and, and, she, and she was shown how it worked. You know, uh, you, the first ones, you just pull the, the lever back and forth, back and forth. You don't have to scrub like this anymore. And, and then, of course, then you put it through the ring and you can wring it out. Oh my, the clothes are almost dry. And you can hang, I mean, it's just going to save you so much work and, and you're going to be so blessed. And oh, she just was just so struggling. And she finally said, okay, I, I, I never wanted to change, but I, I, I'm going to. I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to grab hold of this, but I'm never going to change now because this is, this, is, this is too good. I'm going to grab hold of this. But do you know something? This is what we all find out in life. This is what we all find, find out that when you are in the process of letting go of something, that little motion of letting go, and before you grab hold of something else, this little spot here is scary. It's scary. It's called faith. It's called risk. If I let this go, because you, you have to let this go in order to grab hold of this. You have to let go. If you don't let go, you can't take hold of it. You can't hold both. Because then you can't work them. You've got to let go. But she did it. She let go and she grabbed hold of this brand new to her uh, washing machine. And she was happy and she was washing. And I got to move on. But I'm telling you, it was so fantastic. She said, I am never letting go of this in my whole life. And the next frame, then came these. Oh my goodness, now what am I going to do? Honey, honey, I got another raise. I got you a washer and a dryer. And, and now you don't have to put it through the ringer anymore. And you don't have to pull the lever back and forth, back and forth. All you got to do is plug it into the electricity. You know, that thing that turns the lights on. Yeah, that's we can do that now. Isn't this awesome? And she was finally convinced. And she said, fine, I will do it. I don't want to change. I never want to change. I never want to change. But okay, I'll let go. These better work. Is there warranty? Yeah, there is. Okay, and she grabs hold of them, and she's saying, I have now arrived. I am never letting go of these, ever, ever, ever. I'm never letting go. Next frame. And then comes your trip to Best Buy. <laughs> your trip to Best Buy. There we go. Now what are you going to do? Never going to change. Okay, you got to let go of those golden, green, yucky, I mean, beautiful 
and you got to grab hold of this stainless steel, state-of-the-art. It'll even put steam in there, and it'll make your clothes come out without any wrinkles, and they come so clean, and it's guaranteed for 10 years if you can find them. And, uh, you, you know, it's a crazy... But she had to let go and grab hold. People find it so hard, including me, to let go of yesterday and grab hold of today because yesterday was so sweet. It was so wonderful. It was so beautiful. And you can see how easy it is. And if you know in the, see in the next frame, you'll see how this goes. You, you, you go from one to the other to the other. You can see how this goes. But you notice there's a common denominator with all of them. They all clean clothes. They all clean clothes. That's what they do. And when it comes to the presentation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, it never, ever, ever changes but the way we share it does change. How we share it does change. And I'm so excited to hear about many of the things that your pastor and your leadership team has led you in in regards to the bonfires in the back and all those, the fireworks and the various things that you have done that have been, you know, I mean, a stretch. And I know that there's sometimes you think, well, what's that correlation between that? There is a correlation. And we have got to continue to share the good news. That never, ever changes. But how we share it must change. And it must be in love. It must be in love. When I was a child, I was in kindergarten. Any of you ever go to kindergarten? Good. Me too. I went to kindergarten. I got a picture of my school teacher. There she is. Miss Bird. That was her name for real, Miss Bird. She was my kindergarten teacher, and I was in love. I knew she was, she was oh, she was wonderful. I tell you, uh, all the boys in my class, we were all going to marry her. We made a decision. We were going to marry her. We didn't know what marriage meant. All we knew is that we, she, she, she looked nice. She smelled nice. She acted nice. She uh, brought us cookies. We said, that's got to be love. And so we, we, as little boys, we're just like, we're going to marry Miss Bird. We were so in love. And she was so delightful. I remember her to this day, and that is, is such a, an accurate picture of her. And the, but what happens is that the, a few years passed by, and I was promoted to grade three. I didn't pass, but I promoted to grade three. Uh, maybe passed, but... And then I, was, I had my grade three teacher, Miss Segwin. I think I have a picture of Miss Segwin. There she is. <laughs> And I'm not kidding you, it's really accurate. <laughs> That's a really accurate picture. And she was a tiny little lady. She was maybe 100 pounds soaking wet. And she would have this ruler. She would beat us over the head and then break the rulers. I mean, you know the story. I mean, we were, we were strapping boys. We were laughing. It wasn't, we didn't get hurt or nothing like that. But she was old school in her teaching methods. And she wasn't going to change no way. And her idea of love is beating you, you know, with a stick. And she was going to get it across. She didn't smell like Miss Bird. She did not look like Miss Bird. And she never brought us cookies. <laughs> never, never. But even at that young age, and we were no angels, I'll guarantee you that. But we knew what love was. We knew the difference between love and not love. 
We maybe couldn't have put it into an essay, but we knew what love was. And I believe that God is still a God that wants us to know what love is. He wants us to act in a way that is pleasing to him. Matthew chapter 22 says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, mind. Rather, This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. We at Calvary Church in Woodstock, Ontario, we had forgotten who our neighbor was. We had forgotten. Never mind love. We forgot who was on the outside. We loved each other perfectly, but we did not love those on the outside. We had become whom we had despised. We were scribes and we were Pharisees. We didn't mean to become that way, but it actually happened. We became who we despised. And as my preaching and teaching was falling on deaf ears, I was desperate. I was seeking God. God, what do I do? How do I touch these 150 people? How do I, how do I get them to, to snap out of this, Lord? They're awesome people, but they do not, they will not reach out to the lost. I don't know if it's fear. I don't know what it is. And the Holy Spirit dropped an idea into my mind. I had never heard it before, and this is where a man by the name of Henry of Norwich was created. And God gave us an awesome breakthrough. This next photograph, you'll see a picture of the building. That's literally a picture of the building that we went to, a very, very old building, very ornate, very nice, um, very impractical but it was really nice, built in the 1800s, all made of beautiful stones. I mean, it was incredible. The walls were literally that thick. They had a, the stones were here, and then they had a gap in the wall, and then they had uh, another thing of stones, okay? Nothing in between. That was considered air, which was considered insulation. How many of you know insulation and air are not very compatible? <laughs> but that's the kind of building this was, ornate, beautiful. And so we're in this building. And just leave that picture up for just a moment. But as you're looking at that building, you can see a number of changes had happened in that building. One of the changes that we had made was to make it so that you would be able to go up to the, to the doors. There's two doors there. It wasn't always like that originally. Well, who cares, right? But anyway, the point is those stairs. I want you to remember those stairs. All right? So Henry was born. So I'll show you a picture of Henry. And there's a picture of Henry. Henry was, was a guy who was created. There's an actual picture of him. And what happened was Henry would be going about our town. He would be picking up empty beer bottles and so on and collecting them in his duffel bag to collect money. He always had the smell of liquor and tobacco all over him, smeared all over him. He stunk. He, you could smell him before you saw him. But he was, he was a representative of the herding people of our community of 40,000 people, small city in southern Ontario. And I can tell you the story. It would take way too long, but the story is this. If you look closely, and some of you, unfortunately, because this was a picture of me many years ago, <laughs> you might say, well, I knew it was right away. <laughs> but uh, the truth of it is, I had the beards uh, put on, 
It stuck onto my face. I had my glasses all taped up. I had a bodysuit. Now I don't need it, but I had a bodysuit. And uh, I mean, I, I, a wig on, everything. Nobody knew it was me at all. And I would go through the town on Saturday night, stumbling across the street and, and, and bumping into, literally bumping into our church members. I would see them and I would, I, I would, my heart would break as they would be so, so disregarding of me. And, and, and I'm thinking in the inside, it's me, guys. It, I, it's your pastor. It's me. And so it came Sunday morning and I was standing on the steps and sitting on the steps, and the people were coming in for Sunday morning service, one after another, all 150 of them, all coming in, very faithful, consistent group, and they were coming in, and they would walk by me as if I didn't even exist. They never saw me. They were completely blind to me being there. Now, in fairness, if that was me, I could have been just as blind as my congregation because I was not without sin. But nevertheless, we knew we had to do something. And so what happened was I had it arranged with my assistant, and he, he made a part of the service, and I came, and I sat in the front row, and everybody, as I came in, I plopped it down, and I sat there, and I played the part beautifully. It was just, I mean, the Lord really did help me. Finally, I get up, and the, and, the, and the assistant, a young assistant, he gets the microphone. He goes, we have a guest here today. It was all prearranged. He knew. My own family did not know. My wife knew. My own teenage kids, they did not know. They did not know it was me. And he got up, and he started interviewing me. And I, later, people were telling me, they're going, oh, my goodness, where's the pastor? He would never allow this. He would never allow this. And so <laughs> there I was. I stood in front of the people, and as I stood in front of the people... It came to the point, again, I have to cut out so much of it because of time, but, but when I stood before the people and I started taking off my stuff, my hat came first, and then I took off my wig, and you could hear the congregation gasp. Later on, some of the people told me, they thought, oh my goodness, he's going to strip. You know? <laughs> they were afraid because they didn't know who it was, right? They thought, what? Some real nut bars got in here, you know? And so I started taking it off. And I mean, of course, I'm, I'm soaked with sweat because, I mean, are you kidding? And I took the bodysuit off. But I mean, I still have clothes on, relax. And, uh, and so, and they gasped. And I just talked to them like I'm talking to you. And I said, guys, we have become blind to the lost, completely blind. And if we do not change, we will never, ever reach this community for God. And I picked up my pile of stuff, put it under my, my thing, and I walked out, got in my car, and went home. You say, well, thank goodness you're not our pastor. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people thought that that day. But a lot of people repented. A lot of people said, my God, what have we done? We, we, we forgot. We forgot that except for the grace of God, we're just as lost as everybody else. Except for the grace of God, we are Henry of Norwich. That's who we are. And it changed our congregation. This next photograph is a picture of Calvary Church today in our new auditorium. A few years later, a few years later, as God kept adding to our ministry, we came from 150, and then we came to 200, and we came to 250, 300. We didn't go like Zoom. It was just little by little by little by little, 
And the next thing you know, I asked my secretary one day, I said, well, how many people do we actually have coming to this service now? I don't even, like, I don't even know. And she says, well, it's 735 come out every week. I said, wow, really? I said, you sure that's not the mailing list? She said, oh, no, we have mailing lists way over 1,000. My point is this, my friends. The day came, and we, we had that blessing for years People being saved. We became a feeder church for the Baptists and the Alliance. I mean, I'm not kidding. They, they acknowledged it. Because people would get saved in our services. And some of them didn't like our expression, but they loved Jesus. And say so we would release them. Go. Go. You can go to the Baptist church. They, they're a little more subdued. Go ahead. You know, and, and we, would, we would just, like, whatever. It didn't matter because the kingdom was growing. And then finally the day came seven years ago where we left, about seven years ago we left, and another guy came in, and uh, he started doing his thing, as led by the Holy Spirit, and the church started going down, they lost some people, but he was on track, he was right, the changes were good, the changes had to happen, it was in the name of the Lord, and now I'm glad to report to you that last Sunday, their attendance was just under 1,200 people. Just under 1,200. Our auditorium seats 700. And I tell you all this because I want you to keep in mind that God is able. This isn't from like some big place in Edmonton or Toronto. This is in a small city of 40,000 people. Woodstock, if you look it up on Google, we have the most churches per capita of any city in all of Canada. I easily could have taken that position and at one point wondered, God, why would they need another church here? We were, we, our property where we built was known as Church Row. And some would say, and what? And say, well, why, why build another? But you know, God had a plan. And that church grew to be the largest church that's not Catholic, because the Catholics were larger, but the largest church, Protestant church, in that community. And it's not a matter about who's the biggest, who's the smallest. It's a matter of who is reaching people for Jesus Christ. I believe that God has a call upon your church to be mightily used by him, not just for those who are here, but for those who are on the outside. I think you're well positioned to grab hold of that. Now, that is not something new for you today. But I do say to you, what, the next frame, what is the Lord God saying to you here in St. Paul, Alberta? What is God saying to you? You say, well, this is just a stop-off place for me. I'm on my way to Vancouver. So I have other plans. God's going to use me awesome in Toronto. Or I'm, going to, I'm on the way to Edmonton. This is just a, a stop-off place. Isn't it interesting? If you could just grab hold, and it's true that God may be leading you elsewhere at some point, but right now you're here. Why not invest wholeheartedly here? Involve yourself wholeheartedly here. The Bible says, and I, I quote from the words of our Lord, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, he dug a wine press in it, and he built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his, collect his fruit. And the tenants seized his servants. They beat him, killed him, and stoned a third. 
Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time. And the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. He, they will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir, come, let's kill and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him into the vineyard and they killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what, do you, uh, what will he do to these tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end. They replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become this cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, verse 43, therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone to whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. The Pharisees and the, and the chief priests, they knew Jesus was talking about them. Now, if, if, let's just stop there for a second. If, if Jesus were to come to us today, whether it be through a preaching and teaching, through whatever avenue he chooses, and he were to say to us, I am telling you, you guys, I want to see you change. And I want you to do it right now. Would you react this way? I pray not. The Bible says in verse 46, they looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because they, the people held that he was a prophet. So instead of the Pharisees and the priests saying, what have we done and repent, instead of doing that, they go, how can we kill him? How can we get rid of him? He is far too convicting to my spirit, and I don't agree with him anyway. Let's kill him. I mean, that is the essence of what these people said. And as you know, as led by the enemy of our souls, and permitted, yes, and even allowed, and even, yes, dare I say, planned by the Lord God Almighty, because it was God's plan that Jesus would die on the cross for my sins. That was God's provision for my salvation and for yours. Awesome God that we have. But my friends, listen to what we need to hear on this today. This idea and this thought that we will not embrace change. We will not go after it. I remember one lady came to me in the midst of our growth and she said, she sat down my office, she said, Pastor, I'm leaving the church. And she was a wonderful lady. She loved the Lord dearly. I said, well, why? Why are you leaving the church? She says, there's too many people. I said, too many people? I said, we've been praying that this would happen, that God would move and people would be saved and baptized. And this is just what we wanted, right? She said, it is. But she says, I don't hardly know anybody anymore. She says, I need to go to a little church. And I, it's just like the Spirit nudged me. I said, I said to her, I call her my name. I says, what are you going to do in heaven? 
a multitude which no man can number. How are you going to handle the crowd in heaven? But I couldn't convince her. Did she lose out with Jesus? Absolutely not. She loved the Lord as much as the moment she came into my office to the moment she left. She went to a small uh, church outside of the city, actually, and to about 20 people. And she was committed to being part of that 20 people. And maybe that's going to be the avenue for some people. I don't know, but I do know this. That if I was floundering in the sea of life looking for hope, I sure hope somebody would reach out to me and say, over here, there's room in my lifeboat. There's room over here. I can't help but use the illustration that I saw and that you have seen people going through. I just hope they're not brothers and sisters in Christ. 10 and 12 packs of toilet paper stacked up there. You go, on the, you go online. People fighting. Fighting. Wrestling. Swearing. Because somebody wants to pull one of those packs of toilet tissue off of her buggy and his buggy and keep it for themselves. How many of you know that you're secure in Christ Jesus? How many of you know that there's people, neighbors and friends who are going to hell? How many of us care? I know you do. I know you do. And I know that there's, you can't save a soul, but we can bring them and we can talk to them and we can point them to Jesus Christ. So that when we stand before the Lord someday, it's honestly going to be a thrill when we're able to see people that we have led to him. How awesome is that? That we actually get a chance to point people to Jesus Christ. Well, if you're like me, there's going to be things in your life that you're going to have to let go of. You're going to have to change some things. You might have to let go of something. I don't mean to bring attention unnecessarily to any individual, but I'm going to for a moment. Yesterday, when Pastor Dwayne brought us into the building last night, just to familiarize ourselves with your beautiful sanctuary and your beautiful auditorium and so on, as we came in here, there's a man laying here on the face, right on his face, just laying there last night. He has no service, nobody around, just laying on his face here, crying out to God. I didn't eavesdrop on his prayer. I don't know what he was praying, but I, I can guarantee you part of his prayer was, God, save this, save this town, God. God, do something awesome in this town. Do something awesome in this church. And there's going to be stuff you're going to have to let go of. Just like that gentleman last night, he had to let go of some private or some personal time in order to get on his face before God on this, on this altar. What do you have to let go of? I'm going to ask the keyboard person to come back to the keyboard, please. In fact, the whole team can come for that matter. One thing I love about the team that I saw this morning, Pastor, so encouraging. So many times I see this, and I'm so encouraged. They're not just fulfilling a function. It's very clear. When the drummer has nothing to drum, do you notice the drummer? The drummer has his hands up to Jesus. Do you notice when the guitar guy has nothing to guitar? He has his hand up to Jesus. It's part of their worship. It's part of who they are. You know, and I just, I'm so blessed by that, and I commend you for such such giftedness and, and laying that before the Lord. But I'm going to ask you in these closing moments today, if you're somebody in the house today 
If you're somebody in the house today, you say, you know what? I am not in tune with God. I have not surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, and I know I need to. And I know that there is a, a God that loves me, who died on the cross for me. And it's visioned in this, in this last slide that shows these three crosses. And one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible is how there was a thief on one side and a thief on the other side. And you know what happened, right? The one that they're both, at, the Bible says at one point, they're both hurling insults at Jesus hanging on the cross. If you're really the Christ, come down from the cross. Save yourself and us. But at some point, the scripture points out that there was a change of heart. And one of those thieves came to a place where and he said to the other thief, don't you fear God? Don't, don't you fear God? We're getting what we deserve. He's done nothing. And then he turns to Jesus in those famous words, remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said these wonderful, wonderful words. Today you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Some people actually have stopped calling people to an altar. Stop calling people to raise their hand for salvation. Because some people in the body of Christ even, they are saying, oh, that's too superficial. They need to know more. They need this. What, 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 what? Hold it, hold it. You've got to start somewhere. I started that way by going, yeah, I'm the guy. And that's how I started. We're not saying you've... You've, you're, you're, you're all sanctified and all clean. Hey, we get it. We get it. It's a process. But hear my, hear my heart, friends. We'd be remiss to close the service just in case there's somebody in the house. You say, you know what? I need to surrender my life to Christ. I need to do that. And I need to do it here. And I need to do it now. And I'm inviting you. If that is you, if, that's, if I'm talking to you today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up nice and high. And then once I see it, you can take it down again. But I want to just make it really clear. You're saying, I surrender my life to Christ. I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I need the Lord. I need the Lord. And I need to turn from my sinful ways to God. So it's a very serious thing that I'm asking. And so if that is you today, with every head up, with every eye open, and with everybody looking around, is there anybody in the house today you say, hey, that's, that's me, that's me. And I want you to raise it up nice and high so I can see it, and then you can take it down again. God bless you guys. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Six, six people raising their hand. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? You say, hey, that, that's me. That's, that's where I'm at. Anybody else? Pastor, I was preaching to our congregation for years like this. We had awesome people, just like you do. And then one day, Jim, who had been with us for years, he was participating, always a part of everything, volunteering, wonderful man, him and his wife, Barb. And Jim puts his hand up. And I'm like, he must have misunderstood me. I explained it again. He put his, he was there. I thought, well, I'm going to push the edge. I'm going to ask him to come to the altar. Not him, but 
just everybody who raised their hand for salvation. He comes to the altar. He accepts Christ. I, I said, Jim, you look like a Christian. You act like a Christian. You smell like a Christian. I thought you were a Christian. He says, you know, I come. I like the worship. He said, and I've always enjoyed, you know, the place. Your, your messages are okay. And he, and he said, I, I just have never accepted the Lord ever in my life. He was a senior man. And I was reminded. And from that moment forward, I never assumed that it's only visitors that God wants to save. Sometimes it's somebody right in the congregation that is faithful and loving but has never surrendered to Christ. And so I make that final call. Anybody else who would join these six hands, that have, six people that have raised their hand, you would say, yeah, hey, that is, that is where I'm at. I have not surrendered my life to Christ. And you say, well, Pastor Keith, if you had have had everybody close their eyes and bow their heads, I would raise my hand, but not now. Well, if you can't handle it now, you won't handle it later. No way. So no one here is judging you. No one here is mad with you. If they are, that's their problem. So I'll ask one more time. Anybody else in the house? You say, yep, that's me. I want to surrender. God bless you, sir. Or ma'am, I'm sorry. I don't have my glasses on. Ma'am, I'm sorry. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. Now I'm going to ask those people to stand up and I'm going to ask them to come to the front. Everybody knows who you are already. What's the difference? You might as well come. Come on. Come on. Just come stand at the front. Come stand at the front. Come on. Don't be shy. I'm not going to make you do it, but I know who you are. <laughs> and I want you to come. We're not going to embarrass you beyond this. Believe me, you're not going to have to make a speech, nothing like that. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor, if you have a, a worship, uh, not a worship, but a prayer team assigned uh, or board members and leaders or whatever, could you have, could you come forward now, please, quickly, and stand behind these people? Come on, sir, come right on up here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Let's get so I want at least one person behind each one. If you're if you're a committed uh, person for this assembly, we invite you to come be a part of this, please. We need your we need your help here. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the name of Jesus. Just need two more here. Don't be shy. Thank you, sir. Father, I thank you that you love us, that you care about us. And Lord, we pray for these people that have identified themselves as needing to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. Father, how thankful we are for each and every one of them. Father, whether we know them well or whether we're meeting them for the first time today, Lord, matters not. What matters is that they are saying yes to you. But Father, I know that if they pray a prayer, something like, Lord Jesus I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. I turn away from all of my sins. I surrender myself to you. I believe you are the Son of God. 
Father, I know that if they pray a prayer, something like that from their heart, they will be instantly saved. And Father, I thank you and I stand upon your word. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Now, Father, we know that this is not the end. This is the beginning. This is not just fire insurance to keep ourselves out of hell, though we know it works perfectly well. We ask, Lord, that you will help us, those who have surrendered their life to you in this moment, Lord, that you will use them. You will fill them with your Holy Spirit. You will guide them. You will direct them. You will help them to know that this is a pivotal, changing moment in their life, and they'll never, ever, ever be the same. Father, be with them. Help them, I pray. Sustain them. Strengthen them for your honor and for your glory in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Do you realize in the Bible it says that the heavens rejoice? We should make some noise. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Congratulations. (laughs)